This episode sponsored by Vistage. With more than 20,000 members, it's where CEOs go to grow their companies and themselves. Learn more at Vistage.com. Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode of the Grow My Revenue Business Cast, I'm joined by New York Times bestselling author of Grow Regardless, Joe McClinsky. We're going to talk about where companies fall short when it comes to developing the talent you may already have. What's the difference between regular employees and engaged employees? And how can you tell if your employees are not engaged? Finally, I'll ask Joe to share the secret of how they took a company that was doing well and made them a company that is recognized by a magazine as the best place to work. So without further ado, here's my interview with Joe McClinsky. Joe, welcome to the show. Awesome, Ian. Thank you for saying all of those lovely, lovely, and wonderful things. Yeah, I don't know that I can get people to corroborate it, but it's the way I feel about you, Joe. Well, hey, you know, it's everybody <laughs> needs a friend like you, Ian. <laughs> so what else should people know about you? Uh, so I, the thing, the first thing that pops in my head is that I would rather be mugged than bit by a spider. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that okay? That's, that's I, cool. I, I'm a city boy. I grew up in, uh, in Baltimore most of my life. Uh, and obviously Baltimore has been, uh, been a top, uh, conversation for the country recently. And I grew up in an area not so far away from that. So my claim to fame is that, you know, I've really never camped in a tent ever, yeah. except for in 2006, when I went to Africa to climb Kilimanjaro with a bunch of buddies. So I, you know, I, I came back from that still wanting to be rather be mugged than bit by a spider. So that's it. <laughs> that's all I've got for you. Have you ever been bit by a spider? Uh, I don't think so, actually. Right. I'm sort of just going with it, um, and and hopefully it, it never actually happens. Awesome. So now you're well regarded as an expert on how people build their talent. Where do companies typically fall short when it comes to developing the talent they already have? Uh, that's a great question. I you know I think I, I think we all have this sort of weird dissonance between what we know is right and what we actually do every single day. And so what I mean by that is. You know, my dad used to tell me all the time that, you know, you've got to treat everyone you meet with a great deal of respect. And so the idea of treating like the janitor and the CEO the exact same way, like, again, we all know intuitively that that's just good. Like, that's what it takes to be a good human being and a good leader. But how often do we do that? Right. And, and you know, this could go to walking past someone on the street corner who needs help to, you know, even someone who is actually literally your janitor right? Yeah. Versus your CEO. And so I think out of the gate, you just have to decide that, you know, there is no second class citizenship inside of your business that, you know, we are all equal in terms of human beings. Now we may not be equal in terms of voice or influence or authority or accountability or autonomy, but you've got to find a way to let people feel valued, feel heard and feel appreciated because look, you know, we, we live in a world where the unemployment rate is so low, workforce participation is so low. I mean, we're talking like almost all time lows. And what that means for small, midsize and big companies is that 
it's just going to be harder to find good people. And, and I say good people for you. So you got to make a decision. I mean, the, I think the whole, the whole script has been flipped. You know, there was once a day when you, you got a chance to basically interview people and say, why would you be good here? And now I think the question for people <laughs> while you're interviewing somebody is telling them why they would be so great here. And I think that's uh, I think that's an important piece. Yeah, it's 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 funny. It's funny you mentioned treating people everyone the same. I, I, I had the dubious distinction of being president of a country club at one point. And I used to take pride in the fact that I knew every single employee there and their lives and what was going on. And like the, the greatest honor for me was to present the the awards for longevity at the club to the people who were in housekeeping, the person who was the dishwasher, whatever it happened to be. And I remember walking through the club one day and and one of the housemen was there. Um, cleaning something up, and I, and I stopped by and I said, "Oh, you know, how, how's your mother doing in El Salvador? You know, how's your family?" And as I walk away from him, one of the other members, who ended up being in a leadership position in the club two years later, says, "I mean, how do you know about that guy? Why would you care?" And I thought, "Oh my goodness, like you are totally missing the point here." Because to me, these people made it a great environment for me and my family, and I couldn't be more appreciative. And it's just bizarre to me that people still in this world, think that anybody's in a different class than they are. Well, and I've seen you, I, I guess it's time to tell the, the world here that we, we know each other fairly well. We've had dinner together, and I remember you walking in the back in the kitchen to tip, and you're probably pissed that I'm sharing the story, but I, <laughs> I, I know you're not just this guy who does it as a flash in the pan that you live it every day. And, you know, beyond it's just a good thing to do. I mean, let's also face it. I mean, if we just talk to all of the people that would consider themselves super selfish or, or maybe they're just, you know, we're all super selfish. It freaking feels good, man. It feels good to be good. It feels good to treat people with respect. And for all the capitalist pigs, including myself, listening to this, it's also good for your pocket. Meaning if you treat people a certain way, it is a proven researched fact. That if you treat your employees like your clients and your clients like employees, they will, like, again, sort of help your business in a different kind of way. They will treat your customers in such a great way that you're going to get additional sales. You're going to get additional upsell. You're going to get more profit. Uh, and, and again, I'm not the only one, you know, sort of screaming from this pulpit. It, there's a lot of research that's been shown over the last five to 10 years that this is just the way the world is working. So it's either like get on the bus, get off the bus, or just get out of the way of the bus at this point. And if you're not on the bus, you may be under it. Hey, exactly. hey, this is, hey, this is a good segue to a, a topic that, that I know you know a lot about, which is there's a difference between having employees and having engaged employees. Can you talk a little bit about engagement and what happens when your employees aren't engaged and what that might look like? You bet. You bet. So, I mean, you, you, everyone, if you were ever in sales, there was this adage that we were all taught, I think, back in like the 80s and 90s that, you know, sell like you've got the cure for cancer, right? And so, you know, that metaphor, I think, was really about how do you act like you're about to change the world, that the stakes are so high, you're going to you're going to impact people's lives and that you would be jumping up and down every single day to get to work, to get to your job. And you would take everything so seriously that it would just be awesome. And so, you know, it's almost like if you're an athlete, how do you play like today's the Super Bowl? And and so when I think of engagement, I think of how do you raise the stakes? Because you know, I, I think that's, you know, the, the more that we can decide that there's a lot on the line, the, the think, I think the better that some of us 
perform. I think this, the, the better that we, we present ourselves and that we show up. And so when it comes to engagement, back to I think some of us have just gotten fat, dumb, and happy with, I have a job. I've got a house. I've got income. I've got family. You know, there's this part of the brain that we aren't like we're ignoring. And, it, and it's like the limbic system that used to tell us fight or flight. Oh, my God, you're going to get eaten by a bear. You know, and there was amazing amount of urgency that you, you know, would would, you know, basically have when being chased by a bear. Well, how many of us act like we're being chased by a bear every day? And so, you know, many people know this Gallup has been, you know, kind of at the forefront of measuring engagement for the last 15 years. And it's it's freaking it's jarring, you know, 70 percent more or less of the American workforce is disengaged, meaning you know, they might know what to do each day, but their hearts aren't in it. You know, they're not bringing the level of energy that they could be. And so for me, if there was one thing, every single person who has a company, who has employees, you could do is you can raise the stakes. You can make this so important that, you know, way on the altruistic side of people. I mean, you know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm ranting here. I'll, I'll give you a 10 second quick story. My son, uh, is two and a half. And when he was born, we weren't sure whether he had colic or acid reflux. He was like this kid who could not be consoled. And so beyond, you know, making my head turn around in circles and, you know, my, my wife and I had a rule that whatever we said to each other between 12 and 4 AM, you know, midnight and 4 AM, it didn't count because we were so like <laughs> so sleep deprived. I mean, we were becoming like monsters and demons. And so, you know, we're feeding them drugs. We're thinking it's like, you know, colic or acid reflux. We don't even know what's going on. He's not sleeping longer than 90 minutes. And then lo and behold, nine months in, dad of the year here finds out that he's got his tear ducts and sinuses haven't opened up yet. He's basically had a bad sinus headache for nine months. Like, no shit, dad, pardon my <laughs> friends. Uh, I'm a little upset because my head hurts, right? And so anyway, after having taken him to so many doctors, by the time we take him to the surgeon, dude, I, I like I found myself. Now, look, I've worked in a lot of healthcare businesses, and I know that doctors are just people, and so I know better than this. I never met the surgeon that was going to basically. I mean, this was not you know local. We were putting my son under sure. minor surgery, but I hadn't met the dude, and so I'm holding my son. It's like six a.m. We're one of the first surgeries, and the, and the surgeon comes in and he's like, "All right, we're going to take him back," and I'm like, "All right." I, you know, it's like that point of decision. Am I going to be that dad who like, you know, rips the surgeon up one way or the other? Or am I just going to let this happen? And I was like, I think I'm going to be dad. So I handed my son and my wife. I grabbed the surgeon, pulled him out into the, heart, into the hallway. And I said, man, look, I am so sorry to do this to you. I know I should have done it before, but here goes. Like, why are you going to treat my son like I, he's the, the son of the president of the United States? Like, why does this one matter? Why does the, you're going to do 12 of these today? I need to know. This is the, the the most precious thing to me on the planet. Like, why? Why does it? I mean, did you did you go out last night? Did you are you arrested? <laughs> and like he, you know, he saw it, and we had a good conversation. And and so, you know, I'm not saying I did anything except maybe quell my concerns and fears. Yeah, it probably made you feel better. Exactly, exactly. Which is really all that matters at the end of the day. But in this particular story, I, I would just say, you know, if if leadership can ask their team. More often than not, why does this matter? What would make it worth it? I think those are two really important questions that you could easily take today and, and, and start asking your team on a more consistent basis. That's great. Now, let me, let me ask you this, because I, I think, I mean, you're, you're, you're tapping into the essence of 
kind of engagement and are people just going through the motions or do they really care at that moment? And so it sounds great to get everybody engaged. I, I think as business leaders and entrepreneurs, oftentimes we struggle to see things objectively. How does a leader know when they've got a problem with engagement? Wow, that's a good one. So I'll give you two two ways that I would I would look for this. I mean, one, um, you start to look at the invisible, the invisible like not your revenue and your profits, maybe not even your customer service scores, but you just start to notice there's a I don't know a lack of collaboration, a lack of over communication, a lack of consistency and follow through response times are down amongst your team. You know, it's sort of that feeling you get when, you know, again, as if you walk into your company that day, do you feel like people are pretending it's like practice camp or the Super Bowl? And you kind of get this invisible feeling, this energy that you can't put your finger on. And, and maybe people start to use words like, I, you know, I just don't trust that that's going to happen. And, and whenever you hear the big T, trust, you know, people, it generally means they're starting to come from more a fearful place than a faithful place, than, than, than playing with like reckless abandon. And so forgive all the sports analogies. I grew up playing football and lacrosse, and <laughs> I think a lot of them work and a lot of them don't, but this one does. Yeah. Well, and so, and, and so, so it's that notion just to, I want to, I want to, I want to summarize those a little bit. Cause I think, I think this is going to be valuable for people, which is so you're starting to see the invisible things, which might be a lack of collaboration, a lack of detailed communication, response time to people internally is failing. It's almost like there's a lack of mutual respect for people internally, and there's this general lack of trust that everyone else is carrying the water with you. That's right. And then it, and then it, it almost it, – it like waterfalls into sloppiness, lack of precision – you start to see meetings start five minutes over. You start to – or five minutes late rather. You see them go longer. You see people start to miss deadlines. You see there's a lack of commitment. And then all of a sudden, you start to watch the effort, the care, the attention, the presence. And you go, holy shit, this isn't what I signed up. This isn't what we stand for. Yeah. And so – maybe there's a quick turn to, you know, seeing your sales go down, or if you're a restaurant, your tips go down, or if you're measuring your, your net promoter scores, those go down. But for me, I'm always about like, how can I see the effort, the leading indicators? And so that's one way. This, the second way is you should be measuring this. And so I, I often tell people, I, you know, I should call them because I've recommended so many people to them, but there's a great service out there that you don't have to hire us or Gallup to come in and do like a full-blown engagement survey, you can actually use a service called tinypulse.com. So tinypulse.com is a great service where you can ask your employees one question a week where you can sort of get a gauge of the temperature of the mood. So you take it away from, you're right, as a, as a CEO, as an entrepreneur, I mean, look, you know, you, you tell yourself lies all the time about what you think and what you see. Here's where you're actually getting the voice of your employees and not on a yearly basis or a quarterly basis on a freaking weekly basis. That's, that's, that, that, that's, that's a great thing. And we'll include that in the show notes. Um, and, and we do a pretty detailed show notes for people. So that way everyone can capture these things. I, I never want someone trying to write while they're driving or something. And, um, God forbid, end up in an accident because you said something so darn profound, it caused a chain reaction in California somewhere. So we'll so make I sure we'll make sure, we'll make sure that we uh, that we capture that, Joe. Now, 
By the way, I, I've had the good fortune of spending time with your team internally. And I know that you practice what you preach here. And I also know that you won't brag about your own company. So can you share a success story with me of how you took a company culture from a really good place to an outstanding place and just some of the some of those intangibles that um, that, that came to fruition? Yeah, you bet. Uh, you know, I know we've talked about a couple examples. I, you know, the, we, we once worked with a, a financial uh, 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 sort of planning company. And, uh, you know, we're talking a CEO who just totally gets it, totally evolved, like really with it, very, gosh, like empowering, got that culture is his most important asset, was progressive. I mean, was when we went in and did the initial meeting, I was like almost scratching my head to say, this guy already does all the basics. Like he does awesome exit interviews. He does great onboarding. I mean, he, he would buy his, his staff. Like I, he told me this story where he bought his COO a drone. And I was like, dude, that's like the coolest story ever. Like just randomly, just because, I mean, he put all of his team on a jet plane once and flew them down to the BMW track in North Carolina. So we're talking about working with like a good dude, right? Someone who really gets it. And so, you know, but what I love about our business is we get a chance to work with people that are awesome like that, but even want to be more awesomer, right? And that's (laughs) a word coined by me, by the way, awesomer. And so (laughs) we, you know, with him, it was like, okay, it's like, how do you make Michael Jordan even better? And so you got to look at the fine details. And so I know, Ian, you're a, a big fan of wine. You know, I don't know if you're sommelier-like status yet, but you can, you know, for those folks who are that good at, at, at really noticing the distinctions, like looking at the differences and the nuances to his environment and his culture, we did a survey, we interviewed his staff, we sat him down, we reviewed all their documents, their processes, their structure, and what we try to do is just enhance some of the things that they, they already did. And then we gave them some good suggestions. And, and so, you know, a couple things that come to mind. Number one, everyone had a sense of the vision, but not everybody was driving the vision at a gut visceral level every single day. And it's because not that he didn't have one. I will tell you that one of the biggest mistakes I see entrepreneurs and CEOs make is not that they don't have a documented strategic plan or vision. It's that they didn't let their team earn it, like they gave it to them. So when you give someone a lottery ticket and they win a million dollars, what tends to happen? They blow it away. <laughs> they blow it away <laughs> because they didn't earn it. Yeah. And so this entitlement, this, this lack of appreciation, it's not because they don't want to earn it or they don't want to appreciate it, but how can you possibly appreciate like, you know, I don't know your whole life story, but I can't possibly, that's like I, I funny joke, right? So my wife is pregnant with our second, James, as I was yep. telling you guys earlier. And I remember she came in and she was having some problems. And I said, look, baby, I totally understand what you're going through. Remember, we did this before. And she looks at me. She's like, what are you, like the biggest moron on the planet? How can you understand? You've never been pregnant. Like, <laughs> I can't understand it. I can only appreciate it unless I've experienced it. So just think about the difference in those words. I can appreciate that she's pregnant. I can appreciate that this particular CEO had an amazing vision. But I couldn't understand it unless I lived the creative process with him. And so that's what we did. We yeah. basically reset the vision. We, we took all of the basic gold nuggets and we said, okay, team, how would you make it better? What would you do differently? Let's argue over it. Let's debate it. Let's create some healthy friction. Let's 
let's not do this, by the way, and try to do it in a day. Let's spend some time on it. Let's wrestle with it. Let's sleep. If it's such a big deal, if we're going to be this amazing company, then we got to spend some time on it. Like there are going to be some sleepless nights. There are going to be some disagreements. And all of a sudden, you come out of that process from messy art to beautiful masterpiece. And, and Joe, I, 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 since, since I know who we're talking about, <laughs> give me the punchline. And so fast forward a year or so after, after you started working with them, and what happened for these guys? So number one, they get all the credit. They did the hard work day in and day out. It's not a line of bull. It is, we gave them a good framework, a good, a good system to follow, and they made it awesome. You know, the bottom line is, you know, in, a, in the top, one of the top five business markets in this country, this particular company became the best place to work in their category. And so, you know, I'm not all about awards, but I will take them when, when I watch our clients get them. And it was well-deserved and it's highly competitive. I mean, you're talking hundreds of companies, if, if not more, apply for these awards. Oh, in, in, each, in each category, especially they're a financial services company, anybody who, anybody who has um, who has a bank account applies for that category. That's exactly. Um, let alone people who are managing, you know, the better part of a billion dollars, like they are. And um, I, I love when I talk to them, and they say our biggest competition is Ritz Carlton. People say, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, that's the service level that we want to establish." And and people, well, you're not in hospitality. Well, we may as well be. I mean that. That to me just – and it's just great because I know their experience working with your team was fantastic. And it's cool to see good people do great things and for them to hit that award was was awesome. So let me ask you, what's the greatest lesson that you ever learned from a business challenge that you experienced that other people can benefit from? Sheesh. Uh, I would say there's like a thousand um, – I would say that the same thing that makes you amazing – so take as an entrepreneur – you know, the same way that you'll go against the grain, not listen to the crowd, and you will swim upstream, you will go against the norm, you will pave your own way, you'll create, you'll innovate, you'll come up with something amazing. That same exact strength as an entrepreneur can be your biggest downfall because, you know, the question is when do you listen and when don't you? The question is when do you, you know, heed the warnings, right? before you fall off the cliff. And so, you know, I, I, I fell off the cliff in 2008 and by the way, more often than that, but, you know, didn't heed the warnings, lost over a million dollars and, you know, had to reset, had to rebuild, had to recast vision. And, and I would just say, it's something that I think of often as I, you know, get to this part of my journey as an entrepreneur and, you know, continue to launch different businesses and help other companies. Like, I'm like, okay, is this warning fatal? <laughs> or is this a warning I should totally ignore and just go the other way? And so I think it's, you know, I think you got to listen to your gut. And, and that's not just a metaphor. If you, if you do some research, you'll find out that there's actually a brain in your gut. And there's, a, there's almost an intuitive sixth sense that people have that you just got to come from a good place. And, and, and if you do, you know, batting average, hopefully you have more wins than loses. Yeah. Well, and I know that as a business when I say you practice what you preach in the Baltimore area, you're also recognized as one of the top places to work. And that's not an easy thing to do in the type of work that you do. It's not easy for people to say, man, I love coming here every day because sometimes you're fixing companies that really are broken and that's got to be tough. So I know it's not something that you would share, but I think people should know that Joe's not just talking theory here. I mean, you've, you've taken your organization and made it one of the most desirable places to work 
and clients and done that. So it's not some happenstance where you get lucky. And I know you give your clients all the credit in the world, but um, but I've met your team and I've worked with your team and they're top-notch people. Well, let, let me ask you this, this last thing. If you had one piece of advice to share with the audience, with our listeners, what would it be? What's the biggest thing they can do to grow regardless and to achieve these sorts of results? You know, my... I. I thought about this a lot coming into the interview today, you know, and, and, and often it's a question that gets asked, right? Like, what's the, what's the one thing? And I, I, I just come back to, you know, something that resonates a lot with me. It was certainly one of the, I think, themes throughout Grow Regardless, which, you know, when you say Grow Regardless, what I'm hoping people get is this sort of like fist shaking moment where their hand is being pumped in the air and they're saying like, just do it right. In spite of anything. And, and just do it is, is, you know, my version of that is do the freaking work, yes. like do the work every day. Like don't, you know, there's a, uh, I got into reading the, the Bhagavad Gita and there's this great line that basically says, you're not entitled to the fruit, only the work. And so I'm butchering horrendously the quote, but the, <laughs> the point of it is, you know, it's not just the journey destination concept. It's really just about fall in love with the act, with the work. And if you can do that and not sell out to the reward or to the fruit or all that other stuff and get caught up in the materialistic piece of it, I, you know, I, I think those are our happiest, most fulfilled, most alive days at this place. And I can, I can also say as an observer watching our clients, you know, the same holds true for them. So do the work. <laughs> but hey, do the work is a, is a, is a key message because I think a lot of people talk about doing the work. And then leave out that part of actually doing the work, which right. um, which, and then they wonder why it didn't get done. Well, we talked about it; we just didn't actually do it. Mirac- miraculously, they don't get the result. So, so finally, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you to learn more about you, to learn more about EntreQuest? Yeah, I mean, so I would say that the easiest way is to go check out. I don't know, go to Facebook, check out our EntreQuest Facebook page. We post all of our latest events uh, that we are going to. We post our blogs. We post what's going on with our clients, some of our latest research, some of our trainings. Uh, so I remember there was a day I'd send people to our website, and you can certainly do that. But you know, I would if you go to Facebook.com/slash/EntreQuest. Things like this are so important. I, I know people think that you know there's a lot of content flowing out there, but I, you know, I'm a massive fan of Ian Altman and what you stand for and what you're up to. And, you know, I know we've been throwing compliments back and forth to each other, but you know, there's no BS here. You guys, you know, you did a really nice job coming in and helping us. And, and, you know, I can't wait to see what you, uh, what you have in store for the future, my friend. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for, uh, for joining me today, Joe. It's absolute pleasure. Well, by the way, when you visit, the Facebook page for EntreQuest. Look at all the amazing stuff that Joe and his team do for the local community there. Just really remarkable. And if you're wondering how to get your team mobilized around a common cause, you follow their model and um, and you'll be successful and you'll grow regardless. So Joe, thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks, Ian. I love how Joe was so passionate about driving results for his clients. I want to recap in 30 seconds the top few things that I think you should take away from Joe's comments to help your business. First, I have to say that I love that Joe says he'd rather be mugged than being bit by a spider. But ultimately, remember, your team members need to feel heard, valued, and appreciated. 
You can generally get a sense that you might have a culture issue if you notice a lack of communication, you start hearing the word trust, or there's a general lack of responsiveness. And ultimately, you've got to monitor what goes on, use services like tinypulse.com to get a sense of what's going on within your team. Remember that this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If you know someone I should have as a guest on the show, or if you have a topic you'd love for me to cover, please let me know. Send me an email personally to ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at growmyrevenue.com.